Now turn with me tonight in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We were in 1 Timothy 4 this morning. We're now in 2 Timothy chapter 4. would encourage you sometime, if you have opportunity, uh, to sit down and read through First and Second Timothy. It's a wonderful pastoral book written from prison by Paul the Age to Timothy, who was a pastor at the church at Ephesus. And maybe that's why it's something that's such a blessing to my heart every time I read these particular words. We're going to read Second Timothy chapter 4. And I'm going to break into the chapter at verse 9. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galata, Titus unto Dalmata. Only Lucas with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also? For he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Oniferous. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Troumphus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Abulus greeteth thee in prudence and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. And the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Second Timothy chapter 4 and the first part of verse 21. Do thy diligence to come before winter. And my theme, as I announced it this morning, is entitled, Come Before Winter. You see, according to the Met Office, winter officially starts on the 22nd of December and runs until Friday, the 20th of March, 2020. December, January, and February is usually associated with the winter months. They're usually the coldest and the darkest and the bleakest months of the year. 
And at this time of the year, of course, we can see and feel the approach of the winter season. The leaves and the trees have already faded. The majority have fallen. Daylight is shortened. The weather is colder. The ground is certainly crisper and drier. And we're often faced with the prospect of when we come out maybe to start the car, you can see the frost and the windscreen. And of course, we look forward to the hail and the snow. And I don't know if somebody's going to predict that we're going to get snow for Christmas Day, but I think it's always lovely whenever we have a, a snowy Christmas time. Now here's Paul, and he's writing a second pastoral letter to Timothy. Now remember, Timothy, as I've said, is in Ephesus. Paul has left him there to be the pastor of the church. And Paul is himself hundreds of miles away in Rome. In fact, at this time, Paul's in a prison cell. He's under a death threat. These are the days of Nero. He's the emperor of Rome. And these are days of great persecution against the true Christian community within the whole of the Roman Empire. In fact, tradition has it that the Apostle Paul was eventually beheaded somewhere within the precincts of the great city of Rome. So think of Paul. And there he is sitting in his prison cell. And he's well aware that the hour of his death is fast approaching. Isn't that what he's told us in this um, last chapter? He says, for I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And as he thought about that, he then added this to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Now, he issues this strange exhortation, this summons, this invitation to Timothy to come shortly unto him. Now, remember, Timothy is in Ephesus. And Ephesus is in the western part of modern-day Turkey. And Paul is in Rome. So what did that mean? Well, it meant a journey over land. It meant a sailing boat across the Aegean Sea, a very long arduous, tiring, dangerous journey. And the Apostle Paul also instructs Timothy that he's to make a sort of a detour and he's to go up to Troas. Now, Troas is in the north of Turkey. And if you look very carefully at verse 13, he says to him there, the cloak that I've left at Troas with Carpus when thou comest bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to come before winter. Here's my advice and counsel to you. Make haste. Timothy, this is an urgent matter. You see, if you think of the words of the text, do thy diligence to come before winter, Winter is coming, he's saying to Timothy. And you know, once the winter has set in, travel is going to be well nigh impossible. 
So, Timothy, I want you to come as soon as possible. I want you to take up this, inf- this exhortation, take on board this invitation, this summons from me, and apply it tonight in your heart and life. And that's what I want to do this evening. I want to take up this invitation, this exhortation, this summons to Timothy, and apply it tonight in the gospel. Now, I know there's a literal historical exhortation here from Paul the Aged to one of his sons in the faith. I know that this is a factual reference of of Paul's appeal and counsel to Timothy. But I I want to lift it up tonight, and I want us to look at it from a spiritual point of view. I discovered that there's 15 references to the word winter in the Bible, and here's one of them, and I leave it with you tonight. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Now, Now, think of four things. There's a journey here to be regarded. Think of the words... Come before winter. You see, this is an appeal, an invitation to Timothy to make a journey across land and sea to come and see the aged Paul. Paul's thinking at least one last time. Paul knows that he's facing death, and he longs to see his son in the faith. Timothy, of course, is his son in the faith. He says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And he talks to Timothy about the preparation that he has made for Timothy to come. If you look at verse 12, he says there, Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. In other words, here's the man who's going to fill in for you, Timothy, while you leave Ephesus, go to Troas, and then come to see me in Rome. He does tell him, go to Troas. We've already mentioned that. The verse 13 Can you see that in your Bible? The cloak that I've left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Was Paul the aged, feeling the cold in Rome? Did he want something for the body? Something for the mind? Notice the reference to the books. Something for the hand, but especially the parchments. You see, he was saying to him, come to Rome where I am. Timothy, here's the journey that you need to undertake. A journey that you need to make. And I want you to understand the journey. A journey from Ephesus to Rome via Troas to get a cloak and a book and a parchment. Remember, Rome was known as the imperial city. It's the headquarters of the Roman army. It's the place where Nero, as Caesar, lives. And from there, he has ruled the whole of the Roman Empire. And is it not a wonderful illustration of what individual sinners are called to do and make in a spiritual sense? Is there not a greater city than Rome? What about the heavenly Jerusalem? Hebrews chapter 12 mentions that. And while Rome's an imperial city, the heavenly Jerusalem is known as the eternal city. It's a place more important than even the greatest cities of the world. Think of the greatest cities in the world at the moment. New York, Miami, London, Berlin, uh, Paris, Moscow, Toronto. Uh, We can think about Beijing. We think about Sydney. But here's a far grander and a greater city. The heavenly Jerusalem. A place where you can enjoy heavenly bliss. A A place where you can know joy and peace in an eternal sense. A place of eternal rest and reward. Think tonight of the journey of life. You think of the multitudes that are coming and going. Even those in airports that are called to to different gates. 
Are many tonight not at the gate of false profession? Remember what we read in the book of Matthew? Over there in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 7, and he says in the verse um, uh, 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Why? For wide is the great and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Two gates. Two ways, two destinations, and two peoples, many and the few. One gate leads to heaven, and the road to heaven, of course, leads home. It leads to, to bliss and joy and rest and reward. Remember the Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And sadly, one gate leads to eternal destruction. Leads to eternal ruin and damnation. I want to ask tonight. Have you started out for this journey? This journey towards the heavenly Jerusalem. Notice. For those that start out in this journey. You need to go by a particular place. Remember what we said about the detour to Troas. To pick up a cloak. The book and the parchment. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, when you come to Rome, take a detour, go to this place and pick this up. Now, as you start out for the heavenly Jerusalem, you must go by the way of the cross. Because we have been singing the way of the cross leads home. There's a little chorus. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that all may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. You see, he said to Timothy, Timothy, I don't want you to arrive at the imperial city without the cloak, the book, the parchment. You must come to me with this garment. Did you know that the great story of Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, the great Baptist preacher, he said this, that there's a gate supposedly that leads to heaven, but doesn't. In fact, it leads from heaven down to hell. From the door of heaven to the gate of hell. You see, many tonight don't start outright. They don't start at the cross. They don't start at the narrow gate. They don't start with wearing the cloak of Christ's righteousness. And in order for us to get to the heavenly Jerusalem, you must come to the way of must come to the cross you must kneel at that door and you must receive Christ as Lord and Savior and you must put on by faith Christ's righteousness because remember Christ lived a perfect sinless life he rendered a perfect obedience to God he lived a sinless life we can trust him and the moment you trust him his righteousness is put to your account do you know that the Bible talks about us being clothed in the garments of salvation? Listen to these words in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Why? For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. You see, to get to the heavenly Jerusalem, you must go by the cross. 
And you can't get to heaven without the cross and without the application of Christ's precious blood and without the imputation of Christ's righteousness. Now think of this journey tonight. It's a spiritual journey. And here's a spiritual father speaking to one of his sons in the faith and he gives him this instruction. Come before winter, but as you come, detour to throw us and bring the cloak. Paul longs to see Timothy. He's, Paul calls him mine own son in the faith. There's a bond of fellowship between them. Both men are in a right relationship. And Paul's imparting wise counsel to him. And you think of Timothy. You think of the joy of Timothy arriving. You think of the time that they spend in each other's company. Remember the Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Doesn't the Bible talk about joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repenteth? Who does the joying? It's God the Father. It's God the Son. It's God the Spirit. See, Paul was filled here with a desire for companionship. He's alone in the prison cell. He wanted to encourage and help Timothy, no doubt to prepare Timothy for his death. He, he, he needed uh, help materially. He needed help uh, for his mind and for his, 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 his spiritual health. So here's a journey that's to be regarded. Notice, secondly and very quickly, a simplicity that is received. If you think of the words here in the text... What does it say? Come. In fact, he uses the word twice. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Do thy diligence to come before winter. You see, the word come is an invitation word. Here's the aged father in the faith. And he sends out this invitation to his spiritual son, even though they're separated by miles and many days. Come before winter. Come unto me. Let's not miss the simplicity here. D.L. Moody said that the Bible is full of the word come. God used it. First invitation, Genesis 7 and 2, come thou into the ark. It was an invitation to Noah's wife and his family. And remember what we read in Isaiah 1 and 18, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Remember what we read in Isaiah 55, O everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat ye. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Remember the Lord Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord Jesus also said, Come, for all things are now ready. And over in the last book of the Bible, and I'm just trying to remember the many times the Bible uses the word come, listen to these words. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You see, this was a very simple, sincere, gracious, glad, generous invitation. This is gracious because it's rooted in the grace of God. This is a glad invitation because it was full of joy in the, the offerer of the invitation and, and full of joy of the one who had taken up the anticipation in anticipation of the meeting. And this was indeed a very generous invitation. Timothy is getting to see Paul in the flesh. 
his spiritual father at least one last time. And you see, I want to say tonight to every unconverted soul here, God is still issuing this gracious, glad, generous invitation to you. He says, come to me. You're separated from God because of your sin. The Bible tells us there again in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 64 and the verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Again, it says in another scripture, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We're born separated from God because of sin for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we receive this summons and it's the summons to come. And how do you come? You come believing. You come repenting. You come recognizing this is Lord of Lords and King of Kings that's speaking. But remember, this is also a sincere, simple invitation. The children can understand it. And and when the children here come, they, they go to where the call is coming from. As I'm saying, this is a real, good, genuine, glad invitation. And I want you tonight If you think about the simplicity that's here, the simplicity to be received, are you one of his own? Have you come? Are you thinking, well, I'm one of his sons and daughters that he's going to bring home to heaven eventually? And I'm going to rejoice in the fullness of his presence? And I'm going to experience bliss and peace and of rest and reward and true eternal fellowship with God forever and ever. See, there's a simplicity that's required. I want you to think also of the urgency that's required. He says in our text here, come before winter. And if you look at the first part of the text, it says, do thy diligence to come before winter. See, the Apostle Paul is urging diligence. What does that mean? Well, the word diligence means to exert yourself. Apply your heart and mind. Think about all that's required for this journey. The word diligence speaks of effort, hard work, wholeheartedness. It speaks of agonization. It speaks of striving. We could add the word zealous, or we could use a Belfast term, be, be dead in earnest. You see, in other words, for this journey, there has to be thought, proper planning, proper preparation. Timothy, I want you to get on the road shortly. I want you to come before winter, but in order for you to come, I want you to do thy diligence to come. There's no reason for delay, Timothy. We get asked tonight this, have you come to Christ? He summons you to come. He has sent for you, come unto me. So there's no reason for delay. This is an urgent matter. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, well, you know what? I'd love to be saved. And then when you think about getting saved and right with God, what comes into your heart and mind? You're thinking about tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. What about next week? Another time, perhaps. Another Lord's Day. Another gospel mission. But how do you know that you or I would have another opportunity? If the gospel summons is simple and sincere, remember it's also sublime. Because when you want to take the step, the devil tells you to procrastinate. 
The devil urges you to put it off. And the Bible says today, three times in Hebrews, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Hebrews 3 and 7, 3 and 8, 3 and 15. And 4 and 7, he repeats it. Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. You see, when you want to get saved, you're going to hear not only the call of the devil, but the call of the world. You'll feel the pull and lure of indwelling sin. So therefore, in order for you to come, you need to be diligent. You need to be, be willing for this journey. You need to want this journey. You need to be willing to face whatever hardship life brings. In other words, you'll have to have a godly resolve. You'll make haste. You'll not neglect this summons. You'll think about it. You'll not put it to the one side. See, twice over, the Holy Ghost said to Timothy, Come, come shortly unto me. Come before winter. And the God of heaven has sent out this invitation, this summons, and he wants you to start for heaven and home right now at this moment. And he wants you to cast aside all that will hinder you and all that will delay you. Do you know there's a story told about a woman who was riding the subway in New York? Subways are always packed. And this particular woman was waiting to get off at her stop. The door opened, the crowd was surging forward. And as she came forward, um, the door closed and caught her handbag. And the train, of course, just started immediately to move off. And she was running along the platform holding on to her handbag. People were shouting, let go. And you know, sadly, she held on that long. It pulled her under the train. And she lost her life. Pulled to her death because she wouldn't let go of things. Doesn't the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. This will mean that you forsake all known and secret sin. And you'll let nothing hinder you from coming to Christ. And you'll attend to this matter and you'll make no excuse. And you'll not miss Christ or his cross work. Was not the instruction to Zacchaeus, make haste. Why? For today I must abide at thy house. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying to you. Make haste. There's an urgency here. And one final thing. There's a solemnity that is required. Notice these words. Before winter. Before the journey is too late to make. That's really what it means there. You see, there was a date and a time for making the journey. And in ancient time, in the first century, it had to be before winter. There was four seasons. There was a spring, the summer, the autumn, the winter. And Paul's thinking of the winter. And he's thinking about the winter of his life. He's an old man now. He's looking back in life. He knows that he's in Christ. He knows that he's going to die soon. He doesn't know how long he has left. And he's thinking, well, I could soon be dead. I could soon be gone. And I might see another spring or summer or autumn. So when he writes to Timothy, he wants him to come before the winter time. You see, it's because he knows that the winter time is not for sailing. He remembered, if you think of Acts chapter 27 and verse 9, remember the great storm, Eroclodon, that hurricane that screamed up the Adriatic and the Aegean Sea. Remember Paul advised, let's not leave. Let's not get on this boat. I, I, I have suffered many things as I think about this sailing trip. It's not a good idea. You're going to lose your ship. 
captain. You're going to lose all your cargo. Our lives could be lost. And what happened? Well, the storm did batter them. For 14 days, they were driven up and down the Adriatic. So, so he remembered what was happening when you set out for a journey and it's not the right time for sailing. Winter is not for sailing. What about when the winter has come? It's too late to travel. If we think about the winter of life, we could also think about the winter storms. We could think about the time fast approaching when opportunity for you to come to Christ has been missed. Final opportunity. Remember the day of the wrath of the Lamb? That's an awful day when you think about it. Over there in the book of Revelation, we read in um, Revelation chapter 6, And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Remember, many in that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, we've done this, that, and another thing. Then will I do confess unto them or profess unto them I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity see here's a solemnity that's recognized it must be before the winter comes therefore come immediately therefore come personally therefore come just as you are therefore come to Christ now we're not inviting you to join the free Presbyterian church we're inviting you to Christ because Christ is the only saviour of sinners he says come unto me Here's a man who's in a prison cell for Christ. His life is under threat, threat of death. And he wants Timothy to come. He wants Timothy to be identified with him. What about coming now at this moment? Maybe you're busy, you're making plans, you have ambitions for the future. Maybe you're preoccupied even with legitimate things. And maybe you're planning things as far as your life is concerned. But you've left the Lord out of the picture. And and the truth is there's danger and delay. And it's perilous to put off this spiritual decision. Have you closed in with Christ? Have you come to him? Is he your Lord and Savior? I would say to you tonight, don't be callous. I would say to you tonight, don't be careless. There might come a time when you want to start out, but you, 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 you'll, you can't come. Because you're not coming your time, you'll come in the Lord's time. And the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Will you come tonight and receive him as your Lord and Savior? Could you say tonight that Christ is the shepherd and bishop of your soul? Can you say, like Thomas, my Lord and my God, is he your rock? Is he your king? Is he your buckler? Is he your strength? Is he your fortress? Remember what Felix said. When I have a more convenient time, I will call on thee. But that was Felix's last opportunity to get right with God. And I was thinking as we come to a close of the words of Dr. Torrey, who had great evangelistic campaigns in the United States of America and here in the United Kingdom. And in every campaign, he had this big banner outside the church, and this is what it said Get right with God. That's what I would say to you tonight. If you're here without Christ, or if you're listening on the internet and you're without Christ, this is a day of grace and mercy. And, and, and the message of the gospel is get right with God. How? By receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. Acknowledging you're a sinner. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says. And, and, and then confess Christ as your, your Lord and Savior. Remember John the Baptist? 
He preached, Behold the Lamb of God. But he also urged people to flee from the wrath to come. Because this is a day of grace and mercy. We've already read from Revelation. There's a day of wrath. The wrath of the Lamb. And who shall be able to stand? I put it to you this evening. That as you think of these words. Do thy diligence to come before winter. There's a journey to be regarded. You're in the journey of life. But to end up in the heavenly Jerusalem, you must come by the way of the cross and receive Christ and his blood atonement and the imputation of his righteousness. There's a simplicity that you must receive because God's invitation is simply come. Come now. Come as you are. There's an urgency here. Do thy diligence to come. You must make every effort. And also, there's a solemnity to be recognized. It has to be before your final opportunity. And none of us knows when that will come. And it could come sooner rather than later. And if it was your final opportunity and you missed it, then where would your soul be in eternity? I leave that thought with you. And I trust and pray that the Lord will apply his word in a saving way this evening.